The last couple of weeks have absolutely been chaos in the crypto news flow, starting a week ago on Monday with the Binance news, rolling into the Coinbase news. Somehow we now have hashtag fire Gary Gensler trending and everybody seems to be pushing back finally against the SEC. Now, a lot of people believe that the SEC, if they actually continue to pursue this against Coinbase and it gets to court, will probably lose. And that's based on things that Gary Gensler has said in the past. Today's guest, who's going to review a lot of this news to me, uh, with me, you know that we rant on Fridays, James Murphy, Meta Lawman on Twitter. He has a great premise there and also has a lot of information on what's happening with the BlackRock ETF, which is also obviously the hottest story of the day. Guys, we have a lot to cover here on this Friday. Excited to have yet another lawyer who can correct me when I say stupid things on the show. You guys don't want to miss this. Let's go. Let's go. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel. Hit that like button down below. And when you're done hitting the like button, read the scrolly, bottomy thingy that tells you that you could potentially get $60,000 by signing up for OKX because that's how we keep the lights on. But guys, guys, you might have missed it. Yesterday, they brought me on Yahoo Finance. I've now become the Yahoo Finance guy. They call me anytime there's something extremely controversial happening at the SEC or with legislators because they know that I'll yell and then repost it and get them a lot of likes. And that is what happened once again. You guys might remember they baited me the last time I went on the show by putting Brad Sherman on as the interview ahead of me talking about Cobra coin, mongoose coin and crypto being snakes in the grass. And I said that uh, right into his face that Congress was the actual snakes in the grass. So I, I'm pretty bad at uh, keeping myself out of the gulag. Uh, which is where inevitably where I'm going to end up if I keep trying to get Gary Gensler fired. But they asked me the question. I'm not going to show you the video. You guys can go watch on Yahoo Finance. What could be corrected at the SEC? And I went on a long, raving rant about firing Gary Gensler, SEC Stabilization Act, which, of course, we will talk about, and a lot else. So, guys, it's been a crazy week between Crypto Town Hall, YouTube, the newsletter. There's been endless amounts to cover. I really don't remember having to think this hard since uh, college when I actually didn't think hard at all. So maybe this is the most that I've ever had to think in my entire life. But the good news is we have amazing guests who we can bring on to think for us. Today, I've got James Murphy, a.k.a. Meta Lawman, becoming quite famous on Twitter for his threads. How's it going, James? Fantastic. Uh, Wolf, so great to be on your show. I love your show. I've really been looking forward to this. Awesome, man. Well, thank you. And you, by the way, you'll be welcome back anytime. But I want to dive in right from the beginning here. This is my one of my favorite threads of yours. It's from May before we actually saw this action, right? This was when Coinbase had been delivered a Wells notice, which of course meant we knew something was coming. But before the storm that we've seen over the last 10 days, as you said here, if the SEC follows through on its threat to sue Coinbase, I believe the SEC will lose. We all love that. The SEC case has a fatal flaw, and the problem is entirely of Gary Gensler's own making. Let me explain. You post a video, we're going to watch it. It's really quick, and then we're going to get into this. So here it is, everyone. I do think that working with Congress, I think it's only Congress that could really address it. It'd be good to consider, if, if, it was, uh, if, if you would ask my thoughts, to consider whether to bring greater investor protection to the crypto exchanges. And I think if that were to be the case, because right now that exchanges trading in these crypto assets do not have a regulatory framework uh 
either at the SEC or our sister agency, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, that could instill greater confidence. Right now, there's not a market regulator around these crypto exchanges, and thus there's really not uh, protection against fraud or manipulation in other I love how that video. I love how that video had terrible sound there, but that's actually how I imagine Gensler's voice sounds. Really tinny and like a cartoon character. But okay, let, let, let's let's dig into this a bit more, right? Because we've seen the legal system actually pushing back quite a bit against the SEC. And I think there's a misconception that just because the SEC says something, it's all of a sudden law and true. And that's clearly not the case. But let's dig into that video right there and why that means that Coinbase has a legitimate chance of winning. Uh, great. Yeah, you know, the, the SEC trots out their, their win percentage uh, at the drop of a hat and uh, touts out. They really never lose. So I guess I'm out on a limb here and saying that I think they will lose in their case against Coinbase. Uh, so Gary Gensler, that testimony was one month in. He was the chairman. This wasn't private citizen Gary Gensler. It was chairman Gary Gensler. Um, uh, and he was very clear that the SEC does not have authority to regulate crypto exchanges. And now he has done a 180 degree turn and said, turns out we have all of the authority we need uh, to go after crypto exchanges. And let's pretend like I never said that. And, and by the way, he also says it's been crystal clear for years. These exchanges knew for years. And and this, uh, what they're saying about, boy, we really wanted to comply and come in and register. That's all bogus. What they want to do is operate illegally. That's what they want to do. And, you know, let's just pretend like I didn't tell Congress that we don't have this authority. In reality, everybody knew the opposite was true. And, and Scott, I think what's important here and what was, uh, you know, helpful, I think, in the Hinman emails is, this stuff doesn't happen by accident. His statement is testimony. That's the word for it. It's testimony in Congress in an oversight uh, committee hearing of oversight of the SEC, and they testify. And it's been vetted throughout the SEC. Here's what the chairman is going to say. It's vetted more than what is the uh, head of the Division of Corporate Finance, Bill Inman, what is he going to say, which was heavily vetted, what the chairman says to Congress, very heavily vetted, and he said, we have no authority over yeah. and the other exchanges. Yeah, not only did he say that, do you think that that's why he's been so, I would say, purposefully vague in all other congressional hearings since? I mean, we've all obviously seen the clip. I played like five Gensler clips. You mentioned private citizen. We all know that he was bullish on blockchain technology and specific coins as a private citizen. That's neither here or there, but the is Ethereum a security or commodity over and over and over question and the dodging the bullet and just refusing to give any clarity. To me, it feels like being vague is his strategy. That's absolutely I mean, yeah. 100%, Scott. Um, and, and by the way, that's wrong. That is inconsistent with our concept of the rule of law under the Constitution. It's supposed to be really, really clear to citizens what the law requires, what it permits and what it prohibits. It's supposed to be really clear so that we citizens can order our lives and, and decide what we do to comply with the law. So vague is, is the antithesis of kind of the underlying premise of our law and the rule of law. And this goes back, by the way, 
800 years to the Magna Carta. Before the Magna Carta, the the uh, the king could just say, you know what, I'm going to put you in jail for doing X. Hey, wait a minute, I had no idea X was uh, was illegal. Answer, not my problem. You're going to jail for X. Well, the Magna Carta changed that, and we've had 800 years of English common law saying citizens are entitled to know clearly what is prohibited. And so, you know, this idea in the Hinman emails that, hey, Bill, don't go say explicitly that Ethereum is not a security because, you know, we might decide to change our minds and say it is a security sometime later. You know, so this is crazy. This is not consistent with the rule of law. It, it is crazy, and you have to wonder what the angle is. I, I hate to go down the tin hat theory. I did it pretty aggressively yesterday. I was on Yahoo, but I really believe that we were on a decent path for at least some sort of regulatory clarity on crypto before FTX. And it feels like now they're throwing the book at everyone as an overreaction to what happened there, because this is not, as you just pointed out, I mean, this is not the same tone that Gary Gensler and other regulators, even legislators had before last November. It seems like last summer we were getting Lummis Gillibrand proposed some, some sensible ideas about stable coins. People are actually listening to Hester Purse a bit, right? And so it just feels like this is now carpet bombing, like a just blanket destruction to kind of hide or hide the shame of what was happening before. Yeah, that's right. And I tell you, you do get a sense, Scott, that there's some sort of political um, uh, alliance here because what what we've heard, I think two or three weeks ago, I found really fascinating on the same day, uh, this crypto bro term was, was used by uh, Elizabeth Warren, Brad Sherman, and the president of the United States, choreographed. Coincidence. What a coincidence. All uncoordinated. All on the same day, and I have to believe there must be some polling data that says that's a vote getter and that's going to get campaign contributions, or they wouldn't be saying it. I mean, in the in the think of it in the context of is this government going to default on our debt? The president introduces a you know it's really important that these crypto bros pay their taxes. You know, I mean, it's yeah, uh, one side was crypto bros pay their taxes and the other one was like feed starving children. <laughs> right. Crypto bros are starving their kids, you know, poor kids. Yeah. That's literally what they made it look like. As hyperbolic as that sounds, you're right. I just don't understand where they're getting that data. I mean, maybe maybe they know better than me. And maybe there are that many people on one side of the aisle that like this rhetoric. But you have to imagine, like you said, that's speaking to their donor base and not their constituency. And we all know that banks are a huge uh, part of the donor base. So I would have to imagine that that's where that sort of coordinated effort is from. But to me, it also feels like sort of whitewashing the events of last year and just, you know, I, I, I can say in their defense, which I hate to do, <laughs> it'd probably be pretty embarrassing to come out super pro crypto after all that happened if you were meeting with SBF. And so there's probably we've heard anecdotally that there are plenty of Democrats and plenty of people on both sides of the aisle who are very pro-crypto are just kind of keeping it to themselves, I think, until they see how this play out, plays out and where that will land with the constituency. But I do want to then, we talked about banks, these larger institutions. I want to go into the uh, next obvious huge news of the day, and I'll bring up your tweet again. BlackRock files for Bitcoin ETF. Now that's interesting. Why? 
Because under CEO Larry Fink, who, by the way, we could I could go get his videos of how much he has hated Bitcoin in the past, but has become the world's foremost proponent of the ESG movement in investing. The E in ESG stands for environmental. So BlackRock has apparently concluded that Bitcoin mining and trading is entirely consistent with its pro-environment values. That's great. But who's going to break this news to Senator Warren? Now we're going to get into the ESG side really quick, but let's talk about the very fact that we're seeing a BlackRock ETF proposal which curiously will be custodied by Coinbase. So there are very, some very inconsistent there. If the SEC is trying to crush Coinbase, but allow BlackRock to come in and use Coinbase as a custodian. But we've seen, I believe, 22 rejected applications already for ETFs. I've made the point that I think that they're clearing the way for Wall Street. And here comes BlackRock with a Bitcoin ETF. I mean, what do you make of this? We were talking about the banks uh, supporting them. I mean, do you think that that's what's happening? They're not so negative against crypto. They just want Coinbase and Binance out of the way for the Black Rocks of the world to step in. Well, you know, first of all, it is Bitcoin. So that's uh, declared a uh, commodity. So um, they're not totally inconsistent, uh, except for the fact that they've rejected everyone that's come before. You know, there's speculation uh, you know, based on what we've seen with the communication between Hinman and Vitalik Buterin, there's, there's, I think, reasonable speculation that maybe uh, Larry Fink got a, a nod or some body language from the SEC yeah. that maybe this would not be a waste of his time. Maybe he wouldn't be number 23 rejected, or maybe he just saw uh, what happened in the grayscale hearing in the Court of Appeals and that the judges were a little... Um, unimpressed uh, by some of the arguments by the SEC. Understatement. <laughs> yeah. And, they pushed and, back hard. Yeah. And, and therefore, if approvals are coming, uh, you know, BlackRock wants to be in line for that. Yeah, but I just wonder if they're at the back of the line where they should be or if they will magically appear at the, the front of the line here. I mean, this has been one of the most contentious issues. I think everybody who understands what an ETF would mean it means a safe way for institutions to finally invest. It means less fees than the GBTC that can go 40% negative against, uh, you know, NAV. It means that we would actually have a stable, highly liquid, high volume asset for everyone to safely invest in. And we have ETFs for everything in this country. Yeah, yeah you're, everything. Abs you're absolutely right. It would open up... Um the ability to gain exposure to Bitcoin risk uh, to institutions who now are kind of restricted. If you want Bitcoin risk, some of them under their investment policy, they can only invest in um, MicroStrategy or Bitcoin miners, you know, which have their own idiosyncratic risks. So this would be a pure play. And so, yeah, I think it, it would be significant uh, if it got approved. Yeah, I think it would be hugely significant. I just, I can't wait to see how this plays out because I just, I don't see them rejecting BlackRock. I think BlackRock knows something that uh, we don't, obviously. And they're just, I, I've said, I just think they're clearing the path for Fidelity, Schwab, BlackRock to take control of this industry and do it in a way that they view as compliant. I mean, let's talk about this ESG side because, uh, I mean, this is crazy. Your tweet is so accurate, but this prevailing narrative from a certain side of government that Bitcoin is boiling the ocean, obviously not the case if BlackRock's coming in and BlackRock has been kind of leading that charge to some degree. 
No, I don't think it's to some degree, Wolf. I think they are really driving. They are the primary driver, um, and they can, you know, threaten public companies. You want us to to acquire some of your stock and hold it in, in, in some of our funds? They're the largest money manager on earth. They advise pension plans, and they've come up with the ESG scorecard. And if you don't score well, you're not getting the money. And so um, they are big. You know, this is a force uh, in the world, not just in the United States. They're a force at the World Economic Forum. This ESG um, you know, existed as a concept before Larry Fink got on it, but he gave it rocket fuel. And now, wow. the, uh, maybe he, he uh, sincerely uh, the money to be made by, I, 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 I have my doubts about that. Maybe he sincerely believes in, in the elements of that. But, uh, in, in any event, it's become very political, you know, in Florida, they, they passed a law that prohibits the, the pension funds for the you know, the firefighters and the police and the municipal workers from considering uh, those who manage that money from considering this ESG component. And they shouldn't focus on, you know, the the overall wisdom of the investment and the re- risk return of each investment they make for the pension. And so they prohibited consideration of ESG. So that makes it political because Ron DeSantis is running for president. It's already political, but it's, uh, it's going to be, uh, I think, one of the issues that people talk about. Uh, running into 2024. Yeah, not news that I was sharing, but Mayor Francis Suarez from Miami, who's obviously also very pro-Bitcoin, has announced that he's running for president uh, as well as of yesterday. We have a lot of pro-Bitcoin presidential candidates, it would seem. For anybody who's curious, you can go to sec.gov. I'm showing you here is the Form S1 for the actual filing. Now, there's been a lot of confusion. A lot of people said, no, man, this is just a trust when you read it. Uh, it's a Bitcoin trust like GBTC and not an ETF. Now, Eric Balconis from Bloomberg, who we're going to have on Spaces later, he's clarified that. He says, all those saying the BlackRock filing is a trust and not an ETF, do you consider GLD to be an ETF? Well, this is the same thing. A lot of structures under ETF umbrella, nothing like GBTC. This is the real deal. So just for clarity, since we have a lot of armchair quarterbacks, myself including this, from the experts, this is much more like an ETF than a trust. Here are a couple other takes on Twitter that were similar to ours, right? It's interesting that BlackRock is going for the ETF in the midst of the SEC attack. The optimistic perspective is that the SEC attack is to clear out the low-level peasant-tier scammers so they can rebuild the same game with elite-tier USA boomer scammers. Here's <laughs> a couple more. If you're scoring at home, Operation Choke Point 2.0, SEC sues Gemini Coinbase, Binance US Kraken, Fed sh- shutters Silvergate and Signature Banks, denies allows deadline to pass for crypto-friendly banks, Custodia Bank, BlackRock files for a Bitcoin ETF, right? I mean, it does, when you dig in, really make it uh, seem like this is the case. And then I love from Caitlin Long, who's one of my favorites. The BlackRock Bitcoin ETF application is approved before all other pending Bitcoin ETF applications at the SEC. You would conclude the SEC is corrupt, safe and sound because incumbents, both. She went with 81.3%. I mean, any final words on BlackRock before we move on? Um, well, I, I, you know, if this is what opens the door, um, then I guess net, net, it's, it's good, you know, for more uh, institutions to have access. But, you know, I'm not using the word corrupt, but it, it is, it's a little, I think the, the legal term is, is fishy. It's a little fishy <laughs> if they get approval after all of, uh, all of these disapprovals. 
Yeah, I mean, Pat McHenry, the Congressman McHenry tweeted something to the effect yesterday of, okay, Gary, here's your chance. You're picking winners and losers. What's going to happen here, right? I mean, everybody knows now, I sort of to her point, that if BlackRock all of a sudden gets to the front of the line, we're going to, it's going to be a seriously, seriously a fishy thing. Listen, I, I, I know you're on limited time, but have you looked at this Prometheum thing at all? I, I, I've read up on it a little bit. Uh, it, it is such a crazy story. Um, figure this out and this the twitter hive mind is just undefeated in terms of turning this all up like in real time within minutes and hours of, of this guy coming on and testifying uh it doesn't look like this is a real broker dealer uh and the chinese money involvement how it got past the sec is really puzzling, Scott. I think it didn't get past the SEC is sort of the claim. I don't know if you guys have seen this, right? If you you guys should absolutely go check this thread by Matt Walsh. There's another one by Adam Cochran. Yeah. Where he says, this Prometheum storyline has got to be the strangest thing I've seen in a while in this industry. By the way, that's saying a lot. Okay. <laughs> so to give you, he just gave, James just actually gave you the broad strokes well, right? But this company has existed for quite a while. When you dig into it, they raise a ton of capital, but it was all through investment banks and not through the normal VC channels that you see. They've basically been approved overnight with this ATS and are then on Congress floor within a week doing a pre-planned testimony. They've, there's pictures of the guys like getting the questions from Congress. I don't know if you've seen that, right? And then completely going on all of the SEC talking points that we've heard here about how easy it is to register you can just come in. This is the right way to do it. Now, the CEO are two brothers who went to a now unaccredited law school who are <laughs> supposed to be experts and their dad. Everybody who works at the company is in some way an ex-regulator or they're all getting paid like a bunch of SEC guys and CFTC guys, all this stuff. And they can't list literally anything on this exchange because it's only for securities, right? And as you said, all the funding comes from a Chinese company that they paid like $1.5 million. They paid a company in New Jersey that works with Chinese companies. Excuse me. These are the guys behind this company that they hired are the guys behind Long Island blockchain iced tea. If you guys remember that in the last cycle, there was the Long Island iced tea and they just added blockchain to their name to make a ton of money. But clearly, I mean, they, they literally gave these guys a license, paraded them out the day later in Congress just to make their talking points and now are hoping they're just going to disappear. This is the wildest story I think I've seen. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what. I, and when you contrast it with, um, you know, Coinbase has a broker-dealer license from the SEC. And, and what they said is they repeated, Coinbase is a public company with audited financial statements and a lot of transparency. Uh, and the SEC will not allow them to activate it to trade anything. You know, and it's a public company uh, contrast with this Prometheum, which is so uh, odd uh, in structure and purpose. Uh, and, and it went through. So it looks like it was a setup. And, and what's kind of offensive is apparently the SEC thought nobody would catch on that this is not a legitimate player in the space, but rather, you know, a put up job to mouth some talking points. And that they would get away with it is is astounding. I mean, this tweet, the Prometheum guys want us to believe that all L1s are securities and we'll need to come in and trade on Prometheum. 
not happening. But enter Prometheum Chain. What is that you say? These guys have their own chain. Yes, and a token. So not only that, they they created a competitive chain. They have a token. And who did they pre-sell the tokens to? This company, Wang Sheng, which is literally a CCP affiliate in China. I I don't understand. I literally I I can't get there. I mean, if 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 you guys want, I'm asking you in the audience. I have a four minute video here of Representative Mike Flood questioning the guy. Have you watched this? Yes. It's pretty. Do you have four minutes? Do you have four more minutes? Oh, absolutely. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna watch this video. We gotta watch it, guys. Watch this if you need to figure this out. Now recognize myself for five minutes. I'd like to I start by uh, read a question from a comment letter that Prometheum sent in response to the SEC's December 2020 special purpose broker-dealer framework. Quote, the definition of a digital asset security as used in the proposal is a digital asset that meets the definition of a security under the federal securities laws. This definition puts a burden on the industry to determine which digital assets are securities. As a result, we believe the clear... Clarity is needed to understand the regulatory framework they must comply with, end quote. That was in a letter dated April 26 from Prometheum, uh, specifically signed by Benjamin S. Kaplan, co-CEO of the company. With his brother. I'll offer this into the record without objection. And dad. <laughs> this concern, which Prometheum themselves raised in 2020, probably sounds familiar for those who track this committee closely. It is the exact same concern we've heard from witnesses in front of this committee before. How can a broker-dealer register if they don't know which assets are a security and which are not? Further, it makes the same argument that other firms have made that the lack of clarity from the SEC puts an undue burden on the industry. Mr. Kaplan, in your testimony, you were very confident that no new legislation is needed in the digital asset space to clarify this question. What has changed between the date of this letter Watch this in ponytail called for clarity and now? What has changed? Look at this guy. The two plus years since that time, there's been additional enforcement actions and statement by the SECs which have clarified any questions that we had in regards to the uh, designation of a digital asset as a security. Mr. Kaplan, Prometheum's website says that American <laughs> ATS supports, quote, many tokens that mostly trade on crypto exchanges, end quote. I'd like to dig in on that just a little bit. Can Prometheum customers trade in Ether? If your answer is yes, please explain how. Not currently. Can Prometheum <laughs> nah. customers trade in Bitcoin? If your answer is yes, please explain how. No. Just for the audience at home's benefit, Ether and Bitcoin make up more than 60% of the Seven. digital asset market. Now, yeah. Mr. Kaplan, given that either Ether and Bitcoin make up more than 60% of the digital asset market, if the current system is working, why can't your customers trade the most popular and widely used digital assets? Regulation and new ATSs and custodians... Uh, should take a crawl, walk, run approach, and essentially uh, they will proceed to add additional assets and abilities as time goes on. I'd like to point out when the... Uh, I'm going to reclaim my time. <laughs> Mr. Kaplan, did Prometheum receive any additional exemptive relief from the SEC that has not been publicly shared? No. No. Thank you, Mr. Kaplan. Prometheum's special purpose broker-dealer license does not address the core issue. 
there is not a consistent definition of a digital asset security within current law. This point was made obvious when Chair Ginsler could not say definitively whether Ether is a digital asset security when asked by Chairman McHenry in this very room a couple months ago. In other words, that same question that Prometheum themselves raised in their 2021 comment letter is still unanswered. That's why legislation is needed. That's the problem that the chairman's bill works to solve. To testify in front of our committee that your company's charter, which only allows for trading in a very small subset of assets, is evidence that no legislation is needed just doesn't make sense. If anything, the fact that Prometheum's customers cannot trade some of the most popular digital assets is an illustration of the broader problem, Mr. Kaplan. I yield back. <laughs> I, I mean, that guy is like, uh, the guy they had, uh, he's like a cartoon villain. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Out of central casting, as they say. Yeah. I mean, they, I, I, I don't know what to make of this. I just think that this uh, season of crypto news has been very entertaining, I guess, because yeah, I mean, what do you make of it? It's so obvious, right? And and these, uh, these Congress people keep coming up and making it so obvious. You watch Warren Davidson and Emmer, McHenry, they all happen to be on one side right now. Rich, but Richie, I mean, Richie Torres. Okay, Richie uh, Torres is on the other side. There you go. He's, he's a Democrat. So Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, um, Scott, I think uh, some people are missing the magnitude of this issue of is it a security? So as, as you look at, you know, Coinbase and Binance and Bittrex and you know, the, the thought is, oh, well, if, if they're trading securities, I guess we can't use those platforms anymore. That that would suck, but not the end of the world. Actually, um, if tokens traded on secondary markets are unregistered securities, it is a violation of criminal law to sell them. Okay. And people don't really talk about that. If there is a determination, a final determination from a court, um, you know, with all appeals uh, exhausted that, you know, these 20 plus uh, tokens that the SEC has identified in these three cases, if they're all unregistered securities, then it's safe to say that virtually all of the all of them are, you know, 99% are unregistered securities, which means it's illegal to sell those tokens. And there are a lot of people that I know, well, who own a lot of these tokens and it's one of them. <laughs> yeah, and, and so uh, I don't think people fully understand the ramifications because Scott, if, if a court decides it's a, it's a unregistered security, it doesn't mean it's on that day and going forward an unregistered security. It means it's been an unregistered all the, way back. the whole time. So all of your sales, um, if, you know, if done knowingly, there is that component of it. It's not uh, what we call a strict liability offense. You have to know or be reckless about whether that was a security. Right, and you're doing it on an exchange that has made it seem that it's right. I, I doubt that the individual consumer would be problematic, but you think about every single platform that's ever sold these in history. Yeah, I, I doubt it too, but you know what? If there's, if there's political advantage to go after some significant crypto figures criminally, for selling unregistered securities, I'm no longer sure that that would not happen. Furthermore, if they're, if they're securities, that means insider trading is illegal. And so you go on YouTube and you hear all the time, hey, I was talking to 
uh, the people at this, um, you know, what at this project, and they and they told me they're rolling out blah blah blah, which is going to drive up the price. So therefore, I bought some, you know, or hey, I found out that it's going to be listed. You know, I got this confidential source who told me, hey, it's going to be listed on a major exchange, and so I bought some. So. If these are which was like, I mean, which is literally how like every coin ever listed on Coinbase moved. If you look at the price action, right? The the Coinbase listing pump. Right. So so my my point is, you had you had John Deaton on yesterday. People, you know, recognize this guy is a heroic figure in in crypto, but I don't think they get the half of it because if he doesn't prevail and convince these judges that the tokens themselves trade into the secondary market are not securities, the ramifications are quite enormous. I mean, if you've been running a hedge fund, that your entire business is trading these tokens yeah. um, and, uh, and, and you've pitched to your investors, your limited partners that, hey, we have good connections with a lot of these projects. And so we're able to, to get you some alpha, you know, in this market. Insider trading. I mean- People really need to get behind. And you know, the John Deaton, I, I, I you know, I love the guy. He's a former Marine. It, it, you know, I don't pick heroes, you know, willy-nilly. This guy's a heroic figure. He's not getting paid for doing this. We need to figure out a way to fund what he's doing um, because you need to do exactly what he did in Ripple with the XRP holders for every single token that's been put in play by the SEC. And yeah. that that's not- And all the others, because they will be. Like you said, if if those 67 coins are deep securities, we know that by proxy, so is literally everything else. I love what you said there because he was so, I didn't even realize, I guess, how deep this goes myself, and I'm pretty deep in it. But that's why he was so adamant about getting clarity on library the secondary sales not being the sales of securities, which I think we're getting some clarity on. But man, that is that's scary stuff. Yeah, I think people in the in the crypto community may need to do a little bit more than say, "Hey, thank you, John." Yeah, I, I agree. Think, I think he needs some real uh, some real significant support, and it's amazing. <laughs> he needs to big guy some money. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, for sure. I I mean, he I talked to him. He told told me he had, he came out of pocket himself to pay because you have to have a local council when you go in a jurisdiction where you're not admitted. So to go up to the library, which I get a lawyer yeah, was up there, I don't know, New Hampshire, Vermont, wherever it was, he had to hire a lawyer out of his own pocket to, to be, you know, counsel uh, to get him into that court so he could speak. Um, and this is, this is crazy. And, and the industry associations and individuals who've made a ton of money, in crypto and, and and currently hold a big bag, uh, need to figure out a way to to help John out. Wow, man, you just uh, exploded my brain. And and I've had the idea sort of in my head when people ask me, "Who do you think the SEC comes for next?" Right? I don't think they come after someone huge. I've been saying I think they're going to come after low to mid range hedge funds, hedge funds and VCs. And what you just said aligns exceptionally well for them making the case that these secondary sales will be securities. I, j I think now they're just going to go for a whole bunch of wins they can get on settlements without having to, uh, you know, put a massive team behind it. I think they've uh, poked enough of the huge beast. So I guess we'll see. James, by the way, I don't know if you're available, but we do. We are doing Twitter spaces at 1015. I know you have a job. You're an actual lawyer and probably have things to do. But if you'd be interested in joining, we're probably going to talk through these things much more uh, thoroughly. And we do it every day. 
I tell you what, I, I love your show. I've really been looking forward to being on with you. Uh, you really take this flood of information and news that comes out every day and kind of make it accessible to, you know, non-lawyers uh, and, and everybody else who, who's really desperate to understand what does this mean? What is important in all of this and where's it going? So, uh, I love your show, love your content. And, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be delighted to, to be on Twitter spaces with you. Anytime. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll ping you, uh, offline about that. I really appreciate your words, but you will notice that I've started bringing lawyers on because <laughs> <laughs> you guys really can give clarity. I mean, you just gave a master class here in the real implications of uh, what this can mean down the road. And in all of my digging, I never even really considered that aspect. So I got to thank you very much, guys. Everybody follow, follow uh, Meta Lawman on Twitter. Really, his threads are incredible. Also kind of the same, right? Well thought out and not necessarily spoken in legalese so that uh, everyone like myself can actually understand. So, James, I'm going to ping you after this about uh, spaces, but thank you so much for your time. Guys, we're going to keep going on here with the news. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a good one, man. So there you go, guys. Wow, that's uh, pretty intense. Pretty intense. I feel like I need to send John Deaton a fruit basket and a really nice bottle of uh, bourbon or something. So I'm going to do that after. I actually, the first thing I just did, while well, if you guys saw me typing, is I typed my producer and said, please edit the part where James just prayed John, praised John so I can post it on Twitter and try to get John some more support. So I think we'll try to do that and, and, and share that video. Guys, digging in a bit more to the news, obviously, believe it or not, all that we covered, that ain't even it. Of course, we just talked about Caitlin Long's take on BlackRock. You know that Caitlin's a friend. I've had her on the show 15, 20 times. I've sat down, interviewed her in person quite a few times. I just wanted to point out, Caitlin Long, CEO of Wyoming-based Custodia Bank, named Top American Banking Innovator. And I think it's just incredible to see her receive this award and the pushback that this award coming in the face of her getting rejected over and over and over again by the Fed and pushback from the SEC simply because she wants to be a fully backed one-for-one -one bank that services the cryptocurrency industry. Now think of that. She went and applied for a Fed master account, which would allow her access to the Fed banking system with the proposal that her bank, Custodia, not be fractionally reserved, not do lending like that, and be literally fully backed, and they said no. They said no. And it's, so uh, obviously we know that this was the beginning of this entire fight in January before we've seen all this SEC enforcement action. She's been on the front lines. I just love the fact that uh, one of my favorite people is being recognized for that, even when she's not having so much success uh, on the actual business. Now, of course, next, we're going to talk about price action just a little bit. Bitcoin, Ether moved toward oversold territory in post-FOMC downturn. Now, Rand Nooner was on uh, Spaces yesterday and he said, actually, if you look, the Bitcoin move after FOMC, that $1,000 drop that happened very quickly, actually was almost exactly at the same time as all of the fear, uncertainty, and doubt about Tether hit the market. You guys may have seen it. We're not going to dive deeply into it. But basically, the the pool on Curve where people uh, use stable coins is supposed to be 33% DAI, 33% USDC, 33% Tether, shot up to 70% Tether, effectively meaning that people were selling their Tether into this pool to exit it into other stable coins, caused a string of people projecting ideas that maybe somebody knew something they didn't. Tether became unpegged by like 0.3% on a couple exchanges, which is not actually a DPEG. And that's when Bitcoin dropped, right? 
That was a long, long way of saying it probably has nothing to do with FOMC. And on Sunday, you'll see I recorded an interview with Paolo Arduino from Tether yesterday when I heard this news, uh, which will be out on Sunday. He makes it very obvious that nothing, uh, nothing untoward happened there as usual. And you might have seen actually Tether now has uh, addressed the request that's been there for years from Coindesk and others to give full transparency. And they have given full transparency into their books going back a couple years. It was announced yesterday. Uh, to Coindesk and to others. So I think we're going to get a lot of clarity on Tether's backing and books. But yes, Bitcoin, Ether, moved toward oversold. They're talking about Bollinger Bands. I don't really see much here. That's what they're talking about. But I will just really briefly looking at Bitcoin because I've been saying it over and over and over again. Listen, technical analysis is astrology for men. You guys know how I feel about it. I do it. I love it. It's a hobby. But guys, it's a risk management tool. It's not a crystal ball telling you what's going to happen. But I've been yelling about 25,212 area literally since it broke in March, right? We had this sort of series of lower highs, lower lows of the bear market. You started a new bull trend when you break above that last uh, lower high. And that's what happened. And I kept saying, guys, don't get excited up here at 30. We're probably going back to 25 rationally. But market was overbought. There was way too much. Hey, we're going to 100,000 because we made it to 30 talk, which was nonsense. Well, here we are. Yeah, we're on 100 to 200 MA. But if you guys look, there's an inverse head and shoulders targets up here around 41,000. We bounced right right below 2512. For now, I don't see any reason to be panicked. ETH, same thing, kind of uh, getting wrecked a little bit more, but 200 MA right there on the daily. I just don't see anything here uh, to scare me off yet. Next story, speaking of uh, John Deaton and the Hinman documents, XRP drops 5% as markets digest Hinman documents, SEC court case. I think that's because... People realize that the Hinman documents were a bit of a nothing burger, or at least this new episode in the series of the Hinman documents didn't really show anything new. If you guys want all the context, as James said, I just had John Deaton on uh, with Eleanor Terrett to talk about this. So just go back and watch that. I think it was two days ago. Can't even remember what day it is at this point. But the Hinman documents, huge really for the personal defense of Brad Darlinghouse, not as much for XRP but certainly a bigger context for the Ethereum conversation that is coming. But yeah, take a look at the XRP chart right into resistance, dropping right down. I don't see any reason to get particularly excited about XRP right now. And I also showed this video, which you guys can go back and watch on that day, showing why these Hinman documents are considered somewhat important in this context. So I'm kind of cooking through it there here because we got 30 minutes, obviously, until uh, I'm going to be on Twitter spaces. Maybe the biggest news of the week, Representative Davidson introduces SEC Stabilization Act to remove Chair Gary Gensler. Of course, Majority Whip Tom Emmer also was a part of this conversation. We immediately had Warren Davidson on Crypto Town Hall the next day, and he made the very obvious argument that we've been making here over and over and over and over again, which is that the SEC, as James said as well, is acting in bad faith, right? It would be one thing if we believed that the SEC was doing this in our, self, in our best interest, if they were actually digging in and had a genuine case that these things were securities. But the fact is they're a bad faith regulator who's acting in an activist manner, huge power grab, trying to take control, make sure the CFTC and legislators don't have time to catch up. And we finally have people pushing back. Now, do I believe the SEC Stabilization Act is going to pass? Absolutely not. Do I believe that any law can pass in this broken ass country? No, I don't. So the fact that we have something this specific, maybe even if it gets to the floor of Congress, it could pass because that's Republican dominated. But do we believe that this is going to the Elizabeth Warren D D Democrat 
Senate-dominated Senate is going to pass, hit uh, Biden's desk. No, this is a PR move, PR move. And uh, I'm here for it, to be honest. But listen, you can't even think about getting a bill passed unless you propose it. So I'm glad that they did it. But no, I don't think that uh, we're going to see in the next few months the SEC flipping and Gary Gensler gone. I would love to see enough political pressure uh, to see that conversation continue, though. Now, on to the next story, guys. You, you'll Listen, this is a, yet another heartbreaker for me. Uh, crypto lender Abra has been insolvent for months, state regulators say. Now, we don't have all the facts around this, and I refuse to pass judgment until we do. You'll ask why, because in a long line of people that I've been friends with in the crypto industry, I don't want to see Bill Barheight uh, go down or to find out that there was anything untoward here. Uh, and it's not as damning as some of the other cases yet. We were just talking about yesterday on Crypto Town Hall, the news broke, not this news, the news broke that Abra was going to be unavailable as of yesterday to all Americans. I reached out to Bill immediately and said, man, this sucks. And he said, Abra will be fine. Yet another blow to Americans from the irrational regulator, something to that effect. But that Abra was pulling back from Americans because of regulatory pressure. Well, now we have uh, the state of Texas basically coming out and saying that uh, Abra was fraudulent, insolvent, and hiding that fact from investors. That is obviously what we somewhat saw from the Celsiuses and BlockFi's and others of the world, that they've been insolvent since March 31st, 2023. Uh, we were saying that Abra was uh, impressive because they were kind of the last man standing here. So listen, I, even if they are insolvent, I'm obviously hoping that there's nothing here against Bill, um, who's been a friend of the show and has been on Crypto Town Hall more times already than I can count. And we've only been doing it there for a couple of weeks. Next story, moving on. Dimitri Cherniak's The Goose NFT sold for $6.5 million at Sotheby's auction. I still don't understand how anyone's buying an NFT for $6.5 million, right? Generative art. But the real story here is that uh, this was owned by Three Arrows Capital, right? And their NFT collection ent entirely sold for $11 million. That's money that will theoretically, I believe, some of it, whatever Sotheby's doesn't keep, go back to creditors. So there is some good news there, I think, uh, along this side that they are getting this much money for them. Kyle Davies from uh, 3AC quickly tweeted that this was like a historic auction, but that when his new exchange, OpenX, becomes the biggest in the world, he's going to buy this back at any price because it has to come home. Illusions of grandeur, man. Impressive thing. You guys know that I met with Kyle uh, when I was in Dubai. Uh, Kyle didn't know that I was meeting with Kyle. I crashed a meeting with him as a Voyager creditor because I was pissed off. But uh, I can tell you that those delusions of grandeur, whatever they are, I think he really believes it. I think he really believes he's creating the biggest exchange in the world and that you will uh, be buying this back. You can see that uh, the Sotheby's has uh, auctioned off quite a bit of Dimitri's art. I'm really actually just impressed that uh, they're still getting this much at Sotheby's for NFTs. I, I wouldn't have expected it. And listen, guys, the last story I had here was the Prometheum, which we already dug into. So not much left to discuss on that front. Woo! Guys, what a whirlwind. What a whirlwind. And like I said, Twitter spaces in 20 five minutes obviously we are going to be beating the black rock story to death we're going to take out a broom and a couple bats and we're going to put it on the ground like we do every single day beat these stories uh to death but it's a big story it's a big story and we will have a couple etf experts from bloomberg joining to really give their position on what this means uh for the industry whether it is a trust whether it is an etf and of course I'm going to go bother James and try to get him to come on and give us his legal perspective because listen there's a couple hundred we'll get you know 
five to 10,000 people will watch this video. But if we go on Twitter, spa uh, Twitter spaces, well, it'll be like 700,000 people have listened to your conversation. So uh, kind of operating on a different scale over there. Guys, I will be back, of course, with Macro Monday on Monday, which is uh, always, always a good time. I hope you guys enjoyed this week of content. It's been a lot, been a lot. Sleep has been a little more challenging uh, this week, I would say. And the other thing about Twitter spaces is that Rand and his massive team are in South Africa and Mario and his team are in Dubai. So uh, coordinating and preparing these shows on three different time zones has been really challenging and requires a, a lot of us to uh, not sleep nearly as much. But I really think it's worth it. I, 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 uh, I know I try to stay like non-political and try to stay calm, but I think you guys can see that I've been a little bit pissed off and uh, you know what we're seeing from the SEC. And I really believe that right now we have to fight. You know, and so there's going to be these times where we're not going to sleep as much and we're going to work a little harder and we're going to push to share information. But listen, there may not be much you guys can do. Call your congressman, call your senator, start writing letters. But the one thing I know that you can all do, no matter how small your presence is, is just go ahead and tweet hashtag fire Gary Densler. That's all I've got for you guys. Thank you so much. See you next week. Bye. That's dope.